Thanks for listening to The Gathering from Storyline Church. This past Sunday at Storyline's Gathering, our series, Resolve to Respond to the Grace of God, concluded. The band performed songs by Billie Eilish, Brandi Carlisle, Jose Gonzalez, and more. Let's have a listen. Grow. 
miss the days when I was just a kid. My fear became my shadow, I swear it did. Wherever is your heart, I call home. Wherever is your heart, I call home. Though your feet may take you far from me, I know. Wherever is your heart, I call Thank you, thank you, thank you. So good morning, Storyline. It's so good to be together. Uh, did you watch the big game yesterday? Wow, I know. So many fans, so much excitement. I'm speaking, of course, about the over 50 men's basketball league championship in Benton Harbor. Thank you for those of you who were in attendance. And uh, I'm sorry to report that my team lost by one point. Now, I know. I've always told my kids and my players, it's really important to step up in moments like this and be honest, just tell it like it is. And so I'm admitting right here in front of all of you that that loss was 100% the ref's fault. And so for the, when you uh, check out ESPN, you'll see just some horrible calls, 
was just terrible. So I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, mine began with about a dozen storyliners serving a Thanksgiving breakfast at KPEP, which is a re-entry program for men who are serving their last 30 to 90 days of incarceration. And KPEP is one of our local impact partners. And I promised the three men that I had breakfast with, Landon, Eric, and Andre, that I would pass on their heartfelt gratitude to Storyline for making their Thanksgiving so special. So thank you, thank you Storyline for doing that and everybody who's involved in every way. It's a really beautiful, beautiful thing. So thank you. Now I know, because this is true for me too, that the holidays are like this mixed bag, right? As I get older, though, I'm kind of settling in on a strategy that works for me, which is keep it simple. Like Thanksgiving is about giving thanks. It is about practicing radical empathy. It's not about changing minds or changing behaviors. The holidays are about accepting things as they are and trying not to make everything and everyone like, you know, as we wish they, them to be. And finding some gratitude and peace with what is right now. And yet, the holidays are also like a time out, like life changes this time of year. We change our routine, so we may practice gratitude, we pray for peace, we celebrate with gifts, there's all kinds of things going on, but it still all culminates with the last holiday, which is this new beginning, New Year's, and the annual opportunity to improve also known as resolutions. And so we've been trying to kind of beat the holiday rush this last month. And so we've been doing that by trying to look at resolutions this entire month, considering this one, how we might resolve to respond to the grace of God. And we've discovered that unlike other New Year's, typical New Year's resolutions that really come down to this, us making something happen. Like, the resolve to respond to the grace of God is very, very different. It, it is about letting something happen. And Thanksgiving actually really gets at the heart of how this works. So we get our word for freedom, for grace, um, from the same root word that we get the word gratitude. And that's the word gratis. All of those concepts, all of those terms are very closely related to one another. And so Thanksgiving is really a, it's supposed to be a free celebration of gratitude. And what it is not is an attempt to pay back a debt of gratitude. We all know what that feels like, and it isn't a celebration. Somebody does something nice or great for you, and now you feel this obligation to pay them back. That is the, that is the furthest thing from a celebration that, that can be. So because, it, because it's no longer free, and if it isn't free, then it isn't grace. And so Thanksgiving is a celebration of gratitude, our free response to grace. So responding to grace, is that's what it's supposed to feel like. It's supposed to be much more like a celebration about letting something happen. Another way we put it is to sustain a surrender. And I really like that. It's much more about that, sustaining a surrender to the grace of God, than it is about 
paying a debt of gratitude to God. We actually used an analogy last week of a sunrise that seemed to resonate with many of you because I got so many texts and emails about this. And, and thank you to all of you um, who get back to me on stuff like that. It's very helpful for me, actually. But this is what we said. Grace is like a sunrise. It is given to everyone, everywhere, every day. There's nothing we can do to earn a sunrise because the sun is already going to rise. But there are things that we can do to enjoy a sunrise. We must get up early and face east. Now this response to sunrises doesn't make the sunrise happen, but it does let the dawning of a new day open our eyes to the goodness of God and enlighten us, radiate our souls with a celebration that we can then take into our real life. So here's the thing. Resolutions as commitments that we make and have to keep assume that all of the power and ingenuity and good is coming from us. And that, I think, is why they are so impossible to keep. All the pressure is on us. But what if, like a sunrise, there is a good and ingenious power attempting to come to us? If that's the case, then our role is not to make something happen out of our strength, but to let something happen if even in our weakness. So this distinction between these two different kinds of resolutions really can be looked at this way, like a crisis of faith. That's how I think we can divide these two kinds of resolutions. Where are we going to place our faith, our hope, our trust? And what we see over and over again when we're together and we look at Jesus and his gospel of grace, is that Jesus is inviting us to live by faith in God's grace. This reality that God is on our side. That there's nothing we can do to get God on our side because God is already on our side. And he is wanting and, and working for our good. That is one kind of faith versus just a faith in ourselves and like the do-it-yourself life. So this choice we all face is why the Bible says it like this. We live by faith, a sustained surrender in the grace of God. And we, we let that happen. That's when we find life, not when we live by sight. That is not what we can accomplish or achieve or earn. That is not the path to life. So this crisis of faith, this choice between trusting in ourselves and trusting in the goodness of God runs through every human soul and all of human history. So <clears throat> to wrap up this series this month on responding to the grace of God, I thought it might be helpful for us to go back to the very beginning. Like maybe looking at how the, this choice first played out can help us see how this choice might play out in our lives. So in the first book of the Bible, it's called Genesis, there is a story about a man named Abram. 
A-B-R-A-M, Abram. And this is what the Bible says. And God said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to a land I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left. There's so much going on in this, in God's invitation to Abram. We could talk about it every Sunday for a year. I just want to kind of peel back the curtain on just a few things that I think are just really cool and I think can help us respond to the grace of God. So we need to, first thing is, we need to understand that in this time and place, when Abram was living and where he was living, which was the ancient Near East, there was a cyclical view of history. This is how people, we don't look at history like this so much anymore. Not, not at least in the way we talk about it. We see history linearly, like cause and effect. It starts here and it goes in this direction. But that's not how ancient people of the ancient Near East looked at it. It was a cyclical view of history. In other words, what happened to your grandparents, what life was like for them, is that's what happened to your parents which was then going to be true for your life, and in turn, that was gonna be true for your children. Life was seen as a cycle, like we're on a wheel, and it just keeps repeating itself, just like day follows night, winter follows fall, and we end up becoming like our parents, and on and on it goes. This book has helped me reach so many young homeowners who have become their parents. Hey, what's the lowest you'll go on one of these mugs? Uh, remember, no haggling in stores. Ah, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. chapter six, yep. yep. They may have read the book, but they still have a long way to go. I was hoping to get your John Hancock on there. Uh, let's just call it a signature. I noticed there weren't any refreshments, so I'm just gonna leave a couple of snackies. Folks, the line's a shambles. Let's tuck it in. Sir? Come on, come on. Okay. All right. What's he doing? He's cleaning the trash cans. Oh, boy. Meeting a new young homeowner for the first time is a unique challenge. So you think you can help? I can try. Hey, what you doing? Ah, just cleaning my trash cans. Wow. It's important to build trust. See, you put your address and phone number on here. Well, you can never be too safe. With trash? We're at the movies and we need to silence our phone. Who knows where that button is? I don't have silent. Everyone does, right up here. It happens to all of us. We buy a new home and we turn into our parents. What I do? is help new homeowners overcome this. Was that an adjustable spanner? Good choice, Steve. Okay, don't forget, you're not assisting him. You hired him. You have nowhere to sit. You have too many. Who else reads books about submarines? My dad. Yeah. Oh, those are... The airport can be a real challenge for new homeowners who have become their parents. Okay, everybody, let's do a ticket check. Paper tickets. We're off to a horrible start, but we can overcome it. We're not going to point out our houses, landmarks, or major highways during takeoff. Don't buy anything. I packed so many delicious snacks. They're... Nope. Did you say ballpark? When group two is going to get boarded. Two hours and 58 minutes. Hey, everyone. We made it. My job is to help new homeowners who have turned into their parents. I'm having a big lunch and then just a snack for dinner. So we're using a speakerphone in this store. Is that a good idea? One of the ways I do that is to get them out of the home. You're looking for a grout brush. This did he ask for your help? No. 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 We all see it. We all see it. He has blue hair. Okay. Blue. Blue. Oh, 
Uh, okay, look, I am not going to lie, all right? I used to love these commercials, and now I'm kind of offended by them. So I don't know what that means exactly, but anyways. According to the ancient people of Abram's time, this is how life works. There is no change. There is no growth. There's no real progress to be made in life. Everything has essentially happened before, and it's going to happen again. But here, in this story, right from the very beginning of God's story, Abram left. This is about a man who leaves for the unknown, for a future that hasn't already been decided. Abram lets the grace of God break this cycle, the cycle of dysfunction, of a life doomed to repeat itself. Now, it's hard for us to imagine this now, but this is a brand new idea at that time. It was really revolutionary. I was one of the first people, I actually was the first person in my family, both sides, my mom and dad's family, was the first person to go to college. I remember my grandpa sitting down with me going, why are you doing this? Like, it was just not something that we did. And so it was hard enough when I left for Grand Rapids to go to Calvin College but when I left for Los Angeles to go to grad school at this, the Big Ten powerhouse UCLA, you might imagine, like, my family thought I was crazy. They really did. And I remember going over to see Mama and Papa, my grandparents, to say goodbye to them. And it was brutal. Like, absolutely brutal. Leaving home for a land far away is hard. Like leaving geographically, it may be common now, but Abram's story isn't just about geography. In fact, that's the least important thing about this, his story. It's about leaving everything we know, the safe, the comfortable, the place where our assumptions go unchallenged, our beliefs are affirmed, where life is predictable and we're in control, where we can trust ourselves for something new for something different, maybe better. Even in 2023, it's very difficult to leave what is for what could be.
Thank you so much, Sinai. Love that. So allow me to suggest that even though we talk about time as if it's linear, like there's a beginning and an end, that we live in a cause and effect world, that really this is more like the default setting of human nature. We often live as if time is a cycle, like that can't be broken, as if how it's always been is our only true home. And it's extremely rare for someone to leave for a new land. So when Abram left, it's no small thing. It was much more than just leaving one place for another. A little more background to this story. In this time and place, there was a real tribal consciousness of understanding. That's how life was seen. That's how you looked at life, to stay alive, to survive, to hunt for food, to defend against enemies. Individuals had to come together to form families. Families would come together to form clans. Clans would come together to form tribes. So when if you read the Old Testament of the Bible, you'll see that it often talks about things like so-and-so had this many sheep and this much land and this many fighting men. And we have to understand that accumulation in that day and time was extremely important because it gave you leverage. Like it empowered your tribe to form alliances, claim territory, win battles, to further extend your own comfort and control. It made trusting in yourself and in your tribe, this do-it-yourself life, seem feasible. Today, our personal version of this might look a little different. It might not just be accumulating you know, livestock and land. It could be achievement or appearance or applause, affirmation, just different flavors of the same thing, really. This was the center around which the cycle of life revolved in the ancient world. Everything was about power for you and your tribe, over and against anything that could threaten your do-it-yourself life. Your safety, your comfort, your control, that your power and your goodness and your ingenuity had secured for yourself. That's what life was like in that cycle. So we hear this story and we think, so Abram left. He left home, sure, you know, start a family, start your own tribe, great, what's the big deal? But this is so much more than that going on here. And we have a lot to learn actually from what God is inviting Abraham into. You know, thousands of years ago, the Bible is introducing into the world a new way of looking at all of life, not just for individuals, but also for all of us together. And it really comes down to this. It doesn't have to be the way it's always been. So Abram left. He left, and he did so to allow God, to let God bless him, to get out of the do-it-yourself life, and to get into the trusting in God's goodness life. And with this divine blessing, he fathers a very different kind 
of tribe. You know, on one level, we back up a little bit from this story and just look at it almost like, like a sociological or psychologically or anthropologically, you can frame this as a journey from grace and growth from one stage of human development to the next. Psychologists might put it like this. They're watching Abram go from ego to ethnocentric. One writer, um, Richard Rohr, talks about the ego a lot. He's a a Catholic priest and he says this, you need to have an ego to transcend your ego. Now there is a a necessary uh, era in, in our lives for ego development. This is the stage when like you bring home even horrible artwork and it gets put on the fridge, right? Well, okay, maybe not, maybe not all horrible artwork gets put on the fridge. Uh, that, that's from a storyliner child that got that uh, at an elementary school and the mom turned this into me and said, look what my kid drew. It's just hysterical. But I remember, I remember when I was in this stage of ego development, like my dad took me to Bargain Center. Now, I'm going to date some people here. How many people remember Bargain Center? Benton Harbor. Yes. Okay. Bargain, Bargain Center. It was on M139 across from Mike Young's, right on M139. Yes, I know, I love that store. Also known, that stretch of M139 was for my family, that was the magnificent mile of shopping, okay? Like, when we were headed there, I mean, anything could happen. I might get like a used flashlight or something as a toy. It's incredible. So he took me to Bargain Center to get some new tennis shoes. And I could not have been more than five or six. And I remember I kept trying on different pairs of tennis shoes and then running down the aisleway, you know, trying to see which pair of shoes made me the fastest. And my dad was like, oh yeah, you are, Mike, you are so fast in those shoes. And what was my dad doing? I mean, besides just flat out lying to me, right? He was developing my sense of me, like my ego, This is a good thing. It's a necessary thing. It's critically important. The first stage of human growth and flourishing is developing a sense of self. A a healthy childhood establishes a healthy identity, an ego, and I am. I'm I'm, I'm a real person. I count. I matter. And if that isn't established in childhood, people move forward out of that chasing after it their entire life. They spend the rest of their lives, we we spend the rest of our lives chasing our missing identity, like propping up a fragile ego or protecting a brittle ego. It's our own personal cycle of dysfunction. It's really a kind of hell to take that forward into life. So that first stage of I am a real person, I am me, I have a healthy ego, is so important. We need certain tools, strengths, abilities, self-confidence, a moral compass, a healthy sense of self requires these things and more. But as we grow up, we begin to get other messages that transcend egocentric into and including an ethnocentric perspective. Make your bed. Do your chores. Say thank you. Look people in the eye. This is how we do things in our family. All of us were given some sort of identity beyond our personal ego, is what I'm saying. 
we were given a tribal or a familial way of doing things. And it, it revolves around a family narrative. It includes an origin story. My family has an origin story. I'm sure yours does. It has heroes. It probably has villains. There are traditions and maybe even a religion in there. But the point is, is that in a healthy development, we all move from egocentric, you know, me, 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 into ethnocentric. This tribal consciousness of we, we, we. I saw this lived out just so beautifully last week. It brought me to tears when baby Quinn, look at her. She is, I'm just, this girl just, she mesmerizes me. I'm not going to lie. I just stare at her. I just love her so much. Baby Quinn officially became a nap. How about that? I'm going to give a hand from them. This beautiful ceremony at the courthouse, her adoption became official. And this is Paul and Allie with their children, Bo and Quinn. Quinn will be raised in the way the Knapp family does things now. And I know that, you're, that we will all join in prayer that she will take after mom way more than dad, right? <laughs> so please, get that at the top of your prayer list. Anyways, all of this is going on. All of this and more is going on in this story of Abram and, it's so, much, and so much more. This isn't just a simple news story about, hey, some random dude picked up and left. This is what happened to him. What we're seeing take shape here is the blueprint for human development. Now we know this. Now we can look back on this and go, oh, this is how people grow and develop and flourish. It's the picture for what human change and growth looks like and the path for getting there. In his grace, God isn't just introducing a new way of looking at time, like it doesn't have to be a cycle of dysfunction, nor just a way of looking at the self, like I really do matter. He's giving us a way to see others as well, from ego to ethno, from me to we. Seen this way, it starts to like make sense, like why Jesus shows up and he drops this like inclusion and empathy bomb into the ancient world. He's radically inclusive. And that's why we are trying to cultivate a community, a storyline where anyone can belong, no matter what they believe, and they can, they can belong before they believe, because Jesus lived out this blueprint and we're attempting to emulate it here with our tribe. This is God's infinite invitation to break the cycle of dysfunction and let grace move us from me to we. It's so beautiful. So Abram left. It's a remarkable thing to see in a 4,000-year-old story and even more so to see our real lives confirm, yes, this is true. I know what this looks like. I know what this feels like in the most important sense as we look back on our life and say, yes, when my life is working, this is what is happening. It's not about me. It's about we. And when my life is stuck, when it's spiraling in a cycle of going nowhere, it's always because my life is about me and my futile dreams and my do-it-yourself life and living by myself or even worse, for myself. 
Michael, so good. Love that song. See, this, tor- this story is telling us something. It's telling us that our life doesn't have to be like this, filled with futile dreams of living alone in this cycle of dysfunction. If we let God love us, he will color us in. So Abram left. Through Abram, God is inviting all of humanity and each of us to embark on this journey that requires leaving our home of our do-it-yourself life, of how things are for the far-off country of how things could be. It's the invitation to save us from ourself. It is moving, growing from an, ethno, an egocentric me to an ethnocentric we. But there's still another stage here of human growth and flourishing and development and the path to get there in this story. It's just so brilliant. It's so beautiful. It's so brilliant. Because it doesn't end with we. Look at the kind of tribe, the we that God is inviting us into. Your tribe will be the way God blesses all the other tribes of the earth. Do you remember when you first realized like, oh, my family is different. (laughs) I think we all have that at one stage or another. Something happens, like you go to a friend's house and you know, they're not throwing food or whatever. They, they, it's just normal. Like you're like, whoa, this is so different. I remember when I first discovered, wait a second, are we hillbillies? Oh my gosh. We're hillbillies. Like, now don't get me wrong, I'm very proud of my family, of my tribe, but I thought we were normal, and we're not, apparently. Uh, For example, I am sure that my grandma Cole could sing the national anthem with a cigarette hanging out of her mouth, (laughs) as as one does, right? I I thought all grandpas fixed everything with duct tape from mailboxes and dashboards to tires like he would nothing nothing would get thrown away if he had a roll of duct tape he was going to fix it not so other people other families didn't do that but my family is full-on hillbilly proud of it I am proud of it but at some point we all realize like our tribe is peculiar not every family does Christmas like we do or chores, or church, or not. And with this realization, it dawns on us that there, may, there are other tribes out there. And maybe some of their ways are just as valid, or just as good, or maybe even better than ours. Or equally as beautiful, or as weird. What happens is we begin to question our ethnocentrism. And this is the next stage of human growth, from ego to ethno, to everyone centered. And at a very real level, we realize life is not just about me, and it isn't even just about we, it's about all. All of us. There are others who aren't a part of my tribe, and they have their own story, their own way of looking at things, and they matter just as much as me and we. So the issue with letting God love us, with with letting grace happen in our life, is not just about our life. 
The question becomes, what does it look like to be a blessing to all the tribes of the earth? You see, God is saying something like this. The best tribe to belong to, the best kind of tribe to belong to, is a tribe that anyone can belong to. The tribe that is all about other tribes. It's like, it's like the grace of God works. It's beyond me, it's more than we, and it finds its home wherever God's heart is, which is in all people, in everyone, everywhere, every day. It's a brand new way to look at life. You know, I'm often asked, where did we come up with that saying about church? The best church for you is the church that isn't for you. And it comes from this story, right here from the beginning, this story of Abram. Everyone's centrism is a different path. Life becomes about blessing others. Like we discovered last Sunday, with Jesus' invitation to be the salt of the earth. In fact, he said, you are the salt of the earth. All of us, each and every one of us. It's not about getting others into our barrel of salt so that we can purify them and preserve them in our own way. It's about me and we leaving our barrel of salt, our country, our tribe, our home, to season the world with God's grace. All of that is going on in this story. And so Abram left. It is the revolutionary dawning of a new day in humanity. It's a a dawning of a new day of human growth and development. It's the dawning of a new day of how change happens and how human flourishing looks from ego to ethno to everyone centered from me to we to all but here's the thing this is a choice we can't earn it we can't make that happen but we can choose to leave to leave behind the do-it-yourself life where we're trusting in our power, our goodness, and our ingenuity. And when we do that, we can let God love us and let all of this happen in us and for us and with us and through us. Which begs our last question of the morning. What would it look like for you to leave? I bet when I ask that question, I know when I was writing this and I wrote that question, two or three things just popped up for me. These are things, these are ways of looking at life, looking at myself, looking at my priorities that I probably need to leave behind. They just circle me back to the same old place again and again. What would it look like for you to leave 
I can't answer that question for you. You can't answer that question for me. Last week, somebody emailed me, and this was so beautiful, I'm so thankful. They emailed me and said, there's so much I love about Storyline, but more than anything else, it's that no one is telling us what to see. Together, we're discovering how to see. What would you have to leave behind to leave? What me-centered concern or project or agenda? Is there a we-centered fortress that you're guarding and holding on to that it actually, on second look, it's more of a prison than a fortress? What accumulation or accolade or achievement have you made the center of your little personal cycle of dysfunction revolving around your comfort and control and safety. Just this week, somebody wanted to know why Storyline doesn't publish what we believe anywhere, what we believe anywhere, even on our website, you can't find it. Well, because the second we do that, it's not, we, it, we've turned this into a tribe that's about us. It's about us and them. Because the people who don't believe that will be out. They can't belong unless they believe. And that's getting stuck in this we-centered, in this ethnocentric story where, and God is calling us to move out of that. Still, as ourselves, I will bless you. We don't destroy our, our ego. We take it with us in a healthy way. But now we do that and we do it with others. I'll make you into a great nation an incredible tribe that's four other tribes. And so Abram left. He left. He's setting off on a journey from ego to ethno to everyone centered, from me to we to all. It's a beautiful and compelling story. It's the invitation of God and the choice that we all have to respond to the grace of God. It isn't just the blueprint, as it turns out, for individual human development, what each of us needs to go through. It is the path for humanity's growth itself, what we all must together get to. Because at the deepest level, we are moving from just being to belonging into what life is ultimately for. Becoming. That is, living and loving like God. The God who left. Who left his home, blessed on a mission to bless us all. This is why Abram left. It's not an easy choice. And if you're feeling this tension between do we have to go on the one hand and are we there yet on the other, then I would suggest you're hearing this infinite invitation of God to life. In a world gone
Dawn is coming, open your eyes. I believe Abram heard something like that in God's invitation. And so Abram left. Maybe 2024 doesn't have to be a repeat of everything that didn't work in 2023. Maybe it's time to stop blaming the refs (laughs) or confusing where we are and how we are with who we are. What if resolving to respond to grace means letting go of all of the do-it-yourself life and leaving for a new country where our greatest blessing transcends ourselves and even our tribe to include each and all, to begin to become more like God? It was for all this Abram left. He left how things have been for the far off country of how things could be. And by the grace of God, so can we. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this time and for this place, for this opportunity to be together. Your word says your mercies are new every morning. Dawn is coming. Please open our eyes to your path to change, growth, and becoming. Give us the courage to let this happen and break the cycle and the faith to say yes to your infinite invitation. As we leave this morning, help us to grow and to remain open, alert, expectant, and dependent on you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for coming, folks. Happy Thanksgiving, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to The Gathering from Storyline Church. Have a blessed week.